Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast of Tune In Tomorrow. I'm your host, Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. So it's been a while. We haven't done this. Um, I (laughs) went on hiatus, and then a lot like some of those TV shows that go on hiatus and don't come back, well, I didn't come back, but I'm back now. We'll see if anybody still cares. Uh, The number here, if you want to call in and whether you have questions or comments or just want to sing a song, the call-in number here is 714-868-0749. Again, that's 714-868-0749. Now, I haven't done a blog talk show in a long time, but as far as I know, it's still the same when you call in. Uh, you'll be excuse me. You'll be put in a queue, and there's a little button you push that sends me a signal indicating there's someone on the line who wants to uh, talk. You can also leave your questions in the chat room if you happen to be in the chat room, and I will try and glance over there every now and then to take a look. Uh, assuming that this isn't the most miserable failure ever, we and we continue doing the podcast again. Um, I I do have some new microphones and stuff like that. I didn't have a chance to get them set up tonight because my technical person is actually in Austin, Texas right now working on a a project, so I didn't have time to get them to set it up. I am not in Los Angeles with with everybody out there getting ready for the Emmys. Uh, My staff is. We have a whole staff of soaps and depth people out there wandering the red carpets and attending parties and going to the ceremony Sunday night. Um, as you probably know, the ceremony can now be seen on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be interested to see how that goes, given that some of the live chats that they've hosted um, in conjunction with the Data Memories have been, well, you know, they haven't been the smoothest of operations. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, we're going to kick the show off in a minute with some preview of the week ahead uh, for what's coming up on your shows. And then we've got a couple of hot topics I want to get to, and uh, we'll see if anybody wants to chime in. And I'll also answer questions from both the chat room and the uh, phone lines, which are at 714-868-0749. So uh, let's start off with a little preview of what you can expect to see on the shows in the next week as we head into next week begin, begins the beginning uh, next week is the beginning of May sweeps. So that's always a time when you know you expect bigger and better things to be coming down the pike. Uh, I will tell you that in, in May sweeps, three of the four shows are going to be hitting the road. Um, most of them will be filming their their quote unquote road trips in the studio, but uh, one of them will actually be going outside the studio. And I bet anybody who's been paying attention to daytime over the last couple of months can guess which one that is. Um, so for me, sweeps we'll see Days of Our Lives heading to Greece as they as Chad and others pursue this amulet. That uh, I will be honest, I don't really know the whole story there. Um, I. I'm very much looking forward to Ron Crowavati coming on board and taking over because right now I there are things about Days of Our Lives I like, but I do not find the show on a daily basis overall compelling as I'd like it to be. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of changes he makes when he takes over. But uh, we will see Chad and some of the other characters going to Greece, and by Greece I mean you know a set made up to look like Greece on days as a big part of the May Sweet storyline. We'll also see some stuff with um, Brady fighting for his life, which means Nicole is going to need to find someone else to ride to her rescue. And uh, it might be a little bit of a surprise who it is that does that. 
uh, General Hospital will also be taking its show on the road, but in this case, it will be going to, uh, well, I guess it's Greece also. Uh, isn't, isn't the Caspian Island supposed to be uh, a, 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 a Greek island, if I'm not mistaken? But they'll go there in pursuit of the mystery surrounding Jake's past. We'll also be playing a lot of Anna's past and the mystery of um, Anna and Valentine in the beginning of May. The Nurses' Bowl will take place in May. It'll be late May. Um, They're just getting uh, wound up for that now, but you'll hear lots of talk of that. The other thing you're going to hear a lot of talk about now uh, in the coming weeks on General Hospital is Chimera. And no, that is not, as I mistakenly believed, the beginning of Laverne and Shirley, where they said, you know, Chimera, Chimara, Haas and Pepper Incorporated. That is not what it is. A Chimera is actually... Um, a mythological creature, but there's also a um, medical malady involving uh, that is called chimeraism or a chimera. If you uh, watch Grey's Anatomy, you may be familiar with it because they did a story about it a week or uh, uh, um, last season, I believe it was. So we'll see some of that. There's a lot of chimera talk coming up in the coming weeks. So that's two shows that are going on the road. Uh, the third show is Y&R, and not surprisingly, Y&R's road trip will actually take them outside the studio. Uh, the, some of the citizens of Genoa City, Wisconsin, will be heading to Los Angeles to promote uh, – it'll be the Brash and Sassy staff working to promote the D.A.R.E. Uh, hockey tie-in, uh, which I think it's so weird that they have the hockey tie-in. Um, you know, like, Brash and Sassy just does not sound like something that, you know, men walking around uh, in the in the locker room are like, hey, hand me the Brash and Sassy <laughs> so I can splash some on me. But, hey, um, it's been a lot of fun, and we're going to see them going to L.A., and I spoke to Mal Young, the executive producer, uh, about a week ago about that, and he's really stoked about it. They've got a lot of fun stuff coming up that'll impact people back in Genoa City as well as um, – we've also got this stuff going on with Victor, and there'll be several big turns in that during May Suit. So that's three of the four shows that are all like sort of taking characters on the road. The show that is not taking characters on the road is threatening to throw one behind bars, and that would be The Bold and Beautiful, with, of course, Sally trying to figure out how to get herself out of the mess that she has created. Uh, clearly, the rooting value here is for Sally and Thomas. Uh, I think even people who may not necessarily love the Spencer story in the way it was, the, or the uh, Spectra, sorry, Spectra story in the way it was launched, I think a lot of them actually really like certain elements of it. I mean, I know I personally really like Sally and Thomas. I think they're a great couple. I really like Coco and RJ. I think they're a fun couple. I would have, I would have come up with a different way to introduce them. Um, for me, uh, and I've spun this on Twitter, so forgive me if you've heard this story, but for me, the way I would have introduced them is uh, when back when Thomas was very disenchanted by everything going on at, uh, at Forrester Creations, and he was mad at Steffi, and he was mad at the way he was being passed over. I would have at that point had him working on sort of a secret project, and we saw him doing something, but we didn't know what he was doing. Then at a big Forrester fashion show, uh, just as the Forrester models were getting ready to hit the runway, I would have had Thomas walk in with a bunch of models behind him, not on the runway, but coming down uh, the aisles of the show and putting on like a little a little pop-up fashion show in, and basically stealing Forrester's thunder. And, of course, everyone would be like, what's going on? What's going on? And they'll, they would say, you know, Thomas, are you starting your own line? And he would say, yes. And they'd say, is this a new division of Forrester? And he'd say, no, it's a division of. And then Sally Spector would walk in. And, you know, you would have this immediate, from the moment the Spectres arrived, they would be connected to the Forrester part of the canvas. Um, you would have Thomas having already defected and gone to work for the enemy. I would also have uh, Jacob Young's Rick go over because he's very dissatisfied. Uh, so that's kind of like, like my idea of how I would have incorporated the Spectres into the canvas, but um, they're here now, and in May we'll spend some time trying to figure out how – I don't think anyone really believes that Sally is going to spend 15 years in jail, but the question becomes how do you keep her out of jail, and can she at that point become a uh, – uh, can she and Thomas you know, make another go of it? Uh, can, this, can, this, can this couple survive? Uh, the other story that we'll see unfolding in May is, of course, the Brooke 
bridge bill triangle. Try saying that three times real fast. It gets very, it's a very tongue-tied triangle, tongue-tying triangle. Um, but of course, Bill has now, you know, he likes it and he put a ring on it. But Bridge is not ready to be counted down uh, and out. So he is going to, of course, make uh, a pitch, basically, to Brooke. And we'll have to see how that plays out. So that's kind of what's happening in May. And a lot of that we'll see unfolding, you know, starting next week, because May does begin next week. Uh, Today's General Hospital was um, not, as many people believe, was not uh, Jane Elliott's final episode. And if you watched the episode and saw how it ended, you've probably figured that out by now that it's not. She actually airs through next Thursday. And so there is a little bit more to her story, and we'll see a nice send-off. But this leads very nicely into sort of the main talking point that sort of inspired me, I guess, to come back tonight. And that was... Um, General Hospital and a scene that aired yesterday, and I think it's an interesting contrast between the scene that aired yesterday and the entire episode that we got today. If you are if you are a fan of General Hospital, you know clearly that the scene I'm talking about from yesterday was the one that kicked off the episode. It was uh, only a few seconds long, but in it, uh, it was a dream sequence in which Jason went to hug his son, Jake, and he began to sort of choke him in a stranglehold. And it was it was sort of shocking, and a lot a lot of people were very unhappy about it. Uh, and I did not see it when it first aired. I saw all of the commotion in my timeline, and then I realized I had seen a picture of it because you know we get episodics a couple weeks in advance, and I had seen a picture of this moment and couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. And suddenly I understood exactly what was going on. Um, I was very torn when I did finally see it. It was shocking. It was um, it was disturbing. I I get here's the reason I get torn by this kind of thing. Um, I, I often say that not every soap is for every person. Soaps are all different. Um, the Bold and the Beautiful is a much different show than General Hospital. Uh, what works for General Hospital does not work for The Bold and the Beautiful, and vice versa. You know, The Bold and the Beautiful is a show where it's all about couples and romance and relationships, and if you suddenly had, like, monsters running around on The Bold and the Beautiful, it would not be a good fit. General Hospital has, for the past, you know, what, decade or so, has become a very, very dark show. Um, it, 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 you know, this is... It's interesting to me because we're not that far away from uh, the episodes in which Julian held a gun, uh, not a gun, a knife to Alexis's throat. And that was a big moment. That was a, a very big, very shocking moment. Uh, and, and and for many people, now I know that there are Julexis fans, and I love you guys, um, and I think that you understand how I feel about this. I love this couple. I love Nancy Lee Grant. I love William DeBry. I cannot see this couple put back together at this point because um, he has done nothing to earn her forgiveness. I don't care if he was acting on behalf of, you know, his crazy sister. I don't care if someone was pulling his strings. There were a million things he could have done other than physically and emotionally abuse the woman he supposedly loves, you know, so I just, I just don't buy it. Is there a way they could sell this story to me? Yes, there is. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, but you know, coming off of that, they took a lot of flack for that. Um, they are still taking a lot of flack from that because they're trying to sort of ease Julian and Alexis back together. And a lot of the audience is sort of like, no, you haven't earned that. You haven't sold me on this uh, reunion. And so to come off of something that, you know, was so dark um, and had such consequence and had the audience really rattled and do another scene that was so shocking, and in this case was a violence against a child, you know, this is a medium that, that's sort of aimed largely at a female audience. Certainly the female 18 to 34 demographic is what they're looking for. And to, you know, I don't know that a lot of women want to turn in and see, tune in and see women and children being abused. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess if they do, they could watch Dr. Phil because that's sort of what he trades in is a lot of abuse stories. But I don't know that, that that's what the typical soap opera audience um, wants to see. So, but, and on the other hand, I do understand it because it, was, it, was, it is a visual medium. As Mel Young said to me the other day, Mel Young, executive producer of um, Y&R, was talking about 
how important it is that they take their characters into the real world, whether it's seeing them in the parking lot or seeing them in a bathroom or whatever. Because as he said, it's a visual medium. This is not radio anymore. And the audience expects, you know, they, they expect visual cues. They expect more. And, and so for me, I understand that what General Hospital was doing was they were using a dream sequence to uh, sort of show us what Jason's worst fear is. Jason's worst fear being that, you know, he might do something to hurt this child that, that he loves very, very much. So I understood that, but I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like it, it might be time to get away from all of these dark stories and stop making all the leading men be bad guys and, you know, and, and start telling some actual stories about, you know, you know, redemption and aspirations and things like that. Um, but that's, you know, maybe that's just me. Maybe this is what the general hospital audience wants. Um, if you've got an opinion on that and want to share it with me, please feel free to call in at 714-868-0749. Again, that's 714-868-0749. The other thing I promised to talk about when I was um, on Twitter was the uh, Lily Kane Juliet situation. First of all, I love the name Juliet. I don't know why. I just do. Um, maybe it makes me think of Juliet Landau from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I loved her character. But I'm really into this story, and here is why. I know the Lillian Kane fans hate it. I mean, Lillian Kane fans don't want to see their couple, you know, break up. Uh, and and as, as as I always say, single couple shippers are always in for heartache because without um, some kind of uh, turmoil, whether it's internal or external, your couple has no story. You know, if you want to see them sit on the back burner and have nothing to do, then, you know, then they can be happy and they can have dinner together once a week and, you know, awesome. To me, the reason I like the Juliet Lane story is this. As far as we know at this point, Juliet is not we don't. I know the audience wants to think that Juliet has an ulterior motive and that she's lying and that you know she, she, she is out to do something, and that may prove to be true down the line. But for me, what I'm really, really liking about this story right this minute is that, as far as we know, if you look at this just from what we have been told on air, Juliet's reaction to this has been, "Yeah, we had sex. Um, it shouldn't have happened. I'm really sorry. I thought you were into it, but you're not." And Okay, you know, done, moving on, no big deal. This is a very hard concept for a lot of soap opera fans to grasp. But if you think about it, think about the reality shows that are out there. Think about the, you know, like the real world or Vanderpump Rules or, you know, shows like that. Think about, think about shows on television that are aimed at a young audience or a younger audience than, than a lot of us are. You know, I'm 50, I don't even know, 53, 54, something like that. Um, the, the younger generation, oh my God, I feel so old right now. The younger generation has a different perspective on sex. Um, it's almost a European perspective. It's, you know, it's, it's a little more fluid. It's a little, and it's a lot more progressive. It's a lot more, okay, you know, this is something that happened. Whoops. You know, I thought maybe you, maybe I thought maybe, maybe Juliet thought that, you know, he and Lily were, not in a happy marriage, maybe he thought, you know, maybe she thought he was into it and he wasn't. And the way they're playing this right now, and I don't know how long this will go, and I don't know if this is what will ultimately happen, but to me what I'm seeing is that is her perspective, and she's like, you know, this is okay, not a big deal. He is the one who, because he's a good man and because he feels horrible that he cheated on his wife, he's being eaten alive by guilt. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to tell Lily. I think that the audience wants him to. I think the audience almost needs him to because, you know, because they look at Kane as the hero and they need him to do the right thing and tell his wife. But what's interesting here is he is not being driven to tell his wife because Juliet is threatening him or because there's some, you know, there's some, so he's being blackmailed or anything. It is his own guilt. As far as she's concerned, okay, you know, this happened. We're over it. But as far as he's concerned, because he is a good you know, basically a strong moral, a man with strong moral character with a, with a good moral compass, he is eaten alive by this. Now, of course, the problem is he did not tell uh, Lily earlier. And so immediately you have the problem of every day that he does not tell her, 
it makes it harder for her to forgive. Would Lily understand if if Kane went to her and said, listen, I was in Tokyo, I had too much sake, I honestly, I don't even remember it, but apparently this happened and I, it means so, it means nothing to me and hey, I forgave you for that whole Joe thing, so what do you say? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, can we just move on? Might happen. But, much like we've seen with Carly and, and Sonny and Nell on General Hospital, Carly was not upset. Carly probably could have gotten past the fact he slept with Nell, even though he didn't sleep with Nell. Um, uh, but, but even if he had slept with Nell, Carly could probably have gotten past it. What she could not get past was the lie, you know, the lie that he told her. Uh, the, the betrayal was actually not the sex. It was the deception that followed the sex. And every day that Cain puts off telling his wife the truth, I think that becomes the real problem. Uh, now, I, I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind a story where the truth never came out. I think, you know, secrets are sometimes kept in life. And I know the soap opera audience doesn't like that. The soap opera audience doesn't. The modern soap audience wants everything laid on the table ASAP. They, they have no patience. I often say that, like, classic soap stories that unfolded over years and years would kill the modern soap audience because they're just really not, um, you know, they're not, they're not, they sort of have ADD. They sort of have short attention span theater. They want they want to see the next beat in the story progress. Uh, and I'm sort of old fashioned in that way. I love a slow burning story, and I love a messy story. I love I love 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 you know sort of torture and, and not literal torture, <laughs> but you know I love seeing um, characters emotionally tortured. And like like for example, okay, here's another great example of a story that's unfolding right now that I love. The Bold and the Beautiful's Ridge Quinn and uh, <laughs> Ridge Quinn, Eric. The reason I love this story is look how much trauma they have gotten out of this story that involves nothing more than a couple of stolen kisses. Ridge and Quinn did not sleep together. You know, they may have been sort of emotionally unfaithful, if you think of it that way, but they have not literally cheated on their respective partners, you know, uh, Eric and Brooke. And yet they have gotten so much good soapy drama out of this because, you know, in some ways the emotional betrayal is maybe it's at, it, it can be as bad, if not worse, than an actual physical betrayal. Um, I actually knew someone once who went through something very, very similar and said, you know, if you had had sex with that person, it would have been one thing. It would have been over, but you didn't. You, like, you like were kind of having an affair with them in your head. You, like, you, you guys were having an emotional affair, and that implies ongoing feelings, whereas a one-night stand is like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. So, so it's, it's kind of interesting on that perspective. Um, we, my, my switchboard here is, awkward, is a little bit weird, so I'm about to try and bring someone on, and either we have a caller on the line who wants to talk, or I'm about to bring somebody on, and they're going to be like, um, no, I, I really was just listening on the phone. Uh, again, the number here is 714-868-0749. By the way, if I didn't tell you, thanks for spending some of your Friday night with me. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun being back. We haven't done this in a long, long time. Let's see if I remember how to do this. I'm going to push the button, and then I'm going to say, 347, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Is this Tasha? Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Tasha, how are you? Have you, have you been able to survive without me? <laughs> now, admit, oh it, you're, admit it. Admit it. Admit it. Your life has been partially empty without me. I have missed you. So I follow you on Twitter. And how are you this evening? What do you got for me? For those who don't know, in the uh, when I... When I was originally doing the podcast, before my really extensive hiatus, Tasha was one of my regular callers. She was almost always the last caller. Um, tonight, you may be the first and last. Who knows? I may not have any other callers. Uh, we're just getting back in the swing of things. But she was always – we didn't always agree, but we always had great conversations. And um, I am very excited that you are actually here tonight. So thanks for being here. Uh, you're welcome. My thing is the bold and the beautiful – is so boring, and the whole Thomas Sally affair is so ridiculous. When they said "I loved you," they know each other because for, it was like, too months. soon. Yeah, does he even know her middle name? 
You know what I want to know? Who are Sally's parents? <laughs> they've never really said anything. They're like they've made references to them, but I have, you know, because this whole family was obviously constructed out of whole cloth. You know, Sally had the original Sally had no family. Uh, for me, one of the problems with this story is the way it's been set up because. If Sally Spectra, the original Sally Spectra, is really alive out there, she would be here. She would be. She would come to town to see, you know, her her to, to see the line relaunch. This is her life's dream. Uh, excuse me. So really, I think they really needed to. I know that they originally kept her alive out there because they thought it was nice, and I agree with them. It was a nice tribute to Darlene Conley. But if they were going to reintroduce the Spectre clan, then really they kind of had to kill Sally off. They had to kill the original Sally off because it makes no sense that she's not here. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it's just the whole storyline. I see no chemistry between the two actors, and I'm like, oh, my God. Kenneth, they kind of ruined the the character of Thomas. So, I was like, See, and then this I, whole Rich Quinn thing, I'm like, and then he's begging Brooke, baby, please, please, one more chance, one more chance. I'm like, oh, Lord. Let me so, ask you yeah. this. Okay, so let me ask you this. You've been a longtime B&B fan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from day one. Okay, that's what I thought. But in a way, isn't this sort of very true to – Bold and Beautiful History, meaning, uh, you know, Rich has always been begging whatever woman he's not with to be with, whether it was Torsten Kay or Ron Moss. You know, before it was Brooke, Ridge, uh, and Taylor. Now it's sort of um, Brooke, Ridge, uh, Katie, Brooke, Ridge, Quinn, whoever, fill in the blanks. But isn't that sort of um, very true to what this show has been all along? Yeah, it's always been a threesome. I mean, whether it be Brooke, Rich, Quinn, um, Katie, Rich, Brooke, or Hope, what's her name? Steffi, Liam, or Liam, Wyatt, Hope. It's always been a threesome kind of show. Yeah. For me, the bigger problem with the show, and and I love B&B. I, too, have been watching. It's the only show on the air that I have watched from the beginning. You know, I'm young. I'm, I'm old enough to have watched it from the beginning, but I'm young enough that it's the only one I've watched from the beginning. Um, but what's interesting to me is it, it, it does this every few years. It does two things. One, it introduces a family that it's very, very excited about, a new family that's not the Foresters. And then, like, a year later, that family is either gone or on the back burner, like, hello, the Avant. And the other thing they do is they tell one story at a time. Like, I, it drives me nuts when I'm watching the show and we cut from Sally and Thomas to people talking about Sally and Thomas. Like, like come on, because if I'm not interested in that one story, there is nothing on the show for me. At least cut from Sally and Thomas to Ridge and Quinn. You know, like, tell two stories at the same time. And I, it's like, and what has happened to the Avant? It's like they disappear. I mean, no black people went to Australia, and there are black people in Australia. <laughs> well, not only that, but they are foresters too. You know, I mean, Zendi and Nicole, and and and, they're, and and Rick and Maya, and they're they're all foresters. They should have all been there. But then again, oh, then, then again, Brooke was planning to get married in Australia and didn't even bring her son. So you know, so oh well. Like, <laughs> None of her children are at her wedding. None. So they're like, Mom, no, we're not coming. It's not happening. Like they knew he wasn't gonna. They weren't gonna get married. No one showed up. There was no. Hope. Maybe they all knew. <laughs> Maybe they all knew better. Maybe they're like us. They're like, yeah, yeah. The chances of you two getting married is slim to none. <laughs> what about the little one who's always complaining? We need to be a family. We, he is such a. <laughs> we need to be a family. We need to be a family. I mean, really? And then him and this little girl. I'm like, oh, God. I just can't take B&B anymore much more. Now, to be fair, I seem to believe two years ago when we talked for the first time, you said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I tried to give it a chance because people were like, you don't like Steffi? How can you not like Steffi? I was like, because she, she's an idiot. <laughs> 
I don't see how she's the CEO. She's so stupid. I'm sorry. No, I I understand. I mean, it's it's one of those things where sometimes it feels like it's more about the convenience of the plot that you want to tell than it is something that makes sense. I agree. There's no world in which Steffi would be, you know, would be the queen of Forrester creations. It just it just doesn't make sense. You know, if Eric is going to step down, then Ridge would be there. Or, or heck, bring Thorne out of the basement, you know. Um, or Felicia, or, you know, somebody. But, but Stephanie, uh, Steffi has basically no experience. I mean, I, it, just, it just was very clearly something that they needed in order to facilitate the next part of the plot, which was, you know, w- which involved Wyatt and Liam and, and one of them supporting them and the other not supporting her and all that. It, it, but I have to give Bold and Beautiful credit because it does do what most shows don't, which is every character on that canvas, or at least almost every character on the canvas, I know what they do. They go to work. I see them at work all the time, you know? Like, I really like that. I don't know what half the people on Days of Our Lives do. I think they all work for some weird conglomerate named Titan that might be into publishing and five other things, but but I don't ever see them working. I always see the Foresters at work. Oh, but here's the other question. Answer me this. So, mm-hmm. so um, you know, they have this crisis where they have to come up with a whole new uh, line because their line was stolen. And at the same time, we reveal, out of the blue, because this was never mentioned before, that, uh, that they also stole the jewelry, you know, that the jewelry line was also stolen, which was never, ever, ever mentioned. During <laughs> any of the the Spectre, they never mentioned the jewelry. So they decide Katie is going to be the new person doing the jewelry line. Why, why would Wyatt not be involved? Wyatt helped his mother create their entire jewelry line. She, they ran that together for years and years and years. Why would she not be like, hey, why don't we call my son, who actually knows something about jewelry, as opposed to Katie, who, far as I know, doesn't. I thought Katie's handling the marketing and the PR, and um, but the jewelry line was taken as what? So Sally was just like, let me be greedy and take everything. I'm surprised she didn't take everything. Let me take everything. It's all mine. It's all mine. Uh, A couple couple questions from the uh, chat room. Someone is asking uh, why it is that Spencer now isn't he? Yes, he is, but all he does is really, like, you know, hang out with his dad and stare at that very phallic building that Bill wants to build. So I'm pretty sure – I don't feel like Wyatt is all that busy, so he probably could go over and help his mom design some – the jewelry in the in, in 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 his spare time, you know. In fact, maybe he can make some jewelry inspired by that tower. Tip it upside down, and suddenly it's great for a plunging neckline. What do you know? Look at this. We could be designing jewelry, Tasha. We could go over and help them design their new line. Oh my God, her jewelry is atrocious. I'm, I'm sorry, it's so clunky. I like, a lot of it. I like a lot of it, but the other day she had one on that it was kind of like this square necklace, and I thought, oh, my God, she's on the Hunger Games, and if she, like, does something <laughs> wrong, a blade is going to come out, and it slices her head off. I was pretty sure that's what that piece of jewelry was. Um, the GH thing, I think that was very disturbing. I know they – and I'm not a big fan. I'm No writing is hard, but I'm not a big fan of these writers, and I'm not – Liking um, most of the management at GH, I'm not liking the writers. We've seen a real. Um, there's been a lot of. I, I, I think there has been some anger and resentment growing among the GH audience over the last couple of months, maybe you know. But I think that this Jason Jake thing really pushed a lot of buttons because I have seen a lot of people really upset about it now. Here's something that I'd be interested to know, and, and I don't know the answer. Um, you know, it's pretty – it's been known for quite a while that um, both Frank Valentini, the executive producer of the show, and Nathan Varney, who is the ABC executive in charge of the show, that they, like, sort of play with the show and they, like, you know, stick things in and stuff like that. I'd be really interested to know if that was some – if that Jake Jason scene is something that – Gene and Shelley wrote, or if it was something that, you know, somebody else put in. I, I don't know the answer. All I know is that when I have talked to them, um, and I talk to them every, like, two or three weeks for our various cover stories and stuff, 
that didn't feel like something that Gene and Shelly yeah. would do. It didn't, it just didn't feel, I'm not saying they don't, you know, they do dark stories and like, like they knew that the whole thing with Julian Alexis, they knew that was taking a chance and they were, they were willing to take it. You know, they're like, sometimes you just, you tell big stories and you take a chance. But here's the difference. That was a storyline, you know, that was like a whole storyline. This was a scene. Yeah. And and this scene, I think you could have gotten across Jake's Jason's fears that he might hurt his son without actually showing violence against a child. And I think that that is where it makes me question whether it was actually them or or you know or someone else. Um, Tasha, I'm going to put you on hold here. Um, I'm going to okay. take another call, assuming that I can get this to work. And who knows? Maybe I can't. You may be on forever. <laughs> Uh, let's see, 786, you're on the air, 786. I think that's me. I think that is you. How are you? Hi, Richard. I actually wasn't calling to talk, but I'll talk. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. So I haven't been watching a lot of General Hospital lately. Um, I turned back in for my jacks. And I love the the gold star, by the way. But I was really disgusted with the whole thing. (laughs) Um, I thought he was great. I I actually thought it made sense that he would have done anything to save Jocelyn, including buying a kidney on the the market. But this whole thing about Sonny and the deportation and all of that just really pissed me off. (laughs) It made no sense to me. For me, the Sunny and the deportation thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The and the deportation thing was basically just. I mean, to me, I understood what that was. That was two things. One, it is very true to Sunny. I mean, Sunny, and and you could tell that like Sunny asked after he did it. Sunny was like, "Okay, I know that was kind of a dick move, but ha ha." Um, and that and that's very Sunny. He's very petty. He's very vindictive. But the other thing it was was this was a short term visit. And so they needed to figure out a way, okay, we know how we brought him on the canvas. How do we get him off? Because at this point, there would be no real reason for him to leave. He's just slept with Carly. He, you know, he's reunited with his daughter. He's got a pretty good thing going here. Why would he suddenly, you know, decide to, um, why would he suddenly decide to leave? So they had to figure out a way to get him off. And it makes sense that Sonny would go to the immigration officers and be like, okay, he's out of here. That didn't bother me. The thing that sort of stuck with me was, even as Jax <laughs> tried desperately to fill in the various gaps in this story, it made no freaking sense. <laughs> you know, like it just, it just, as I was listening to all these things, I'd be like, well, okay, that explains that, but what about this? And what about that? And, yeah, and exactly. It, and, and it also just made no sense. Yes, do I buy that Jax would do anything to save his daughter? Yes, I do. Do I think that Jax would just coincidentally go to Frank Benson? No, yeah, not that, at all. He yeah. would go to Jerry. Exactly. He would go to one of his, you know, to, there's a million people he would go to before he would go to, of all people, you know, like, 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 like it just makes no sense that he would just randomly go to Frank Benson. And Exactly. That's one of those things where, you know, you wonder whether that was the original story, if this is just sort of like how they backed into it. I truly believe, I truly believe with all my heart and soul that the original story was going to be that, Nell was either um, was Michael's twin who was separated from him at birth or that she was like, you know, Carly's cast-off daughter. Or my favorite theory was that Carly, that, that, that Nell was actually the original Caroline Benson. Remember, or whoever it was, remember, remember right. when we first, Carly first came to town, she had stolen a dead friend's identity. And I thought so we've that we've already had Caroline was, Benson come back. Well, you know, I don't know, maybe her daughter, <laughs> you know, like, like I just, I figured it might be tied to that. It just felt like this didn't quite come together the way I might have hoped. Okay. Uh, it didn't make, I hated it. <laughs> I didn't I, hate I it. Hate and it. you know why I didn't, you know why I didn't hate it? I really like Chloe Lanier. I know there's a lot of hatred out there toward her. I feel like the hatred is mostly because they don't like the character in the story. I mean, I think she is so talented. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I live in some weird bubble where only I see the talent of Chloe Lanier. And I don't mind her. I I love her. I just think she and, and Laura Wright play off each other so 
well, and I love her. You're absolutely so I right. Wish that her story was better. Yeah, <laughs> I like her too. But and, and here's the other thing that I, I have to comment on, and then I'm uh, uh, is that I've been only a sporadic viewer, and I will tell you that I watched DH from probably 1965, and I, I watched it every day, and I am now very sporadic. Um, I turned it on today for Jane Elliott's farewell, and as soon as I saw Nathan sitting in the court courtroom and Diane there, and Sonny as the judge, I turned it off. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm torn on that. Um, I the one I don't understand is Nathan. I don't know why Nathan's in the courtroom. I have no freaking clue. That made no sense to me. Of all the characters who could be in the courtroom, I don't know why. Was he just like was 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 Ryan Pavey walking down the hallway and they're like, "Hey, you look good in a uniform. You know, come on in." And then if that's the case, then I can't argue it because he does. But it made no sense to me that he was there. But I will say this. I thought there was such an amazing contrast between some of the stuff that we've seen on the show lately and today's episode. And that reason was, if you look at all the things that got us, you know, if you watched the episode, it was just chock full of flashbacks and wonderful moments. And not one of those flashbacks was to an act of violence. Not one of them was to, you know, the water being poisoned or, you know, the kind of events that the show has become um, kind of known for over the last few years. They were all really big emotional family moments. They were quarter main moments. They were moments with Edward and Lila. And even the script, even the script was filled with references to, like, you know, Lorenzo Elcazar and Sky and, and, and I sat there watching it and I thought, this sort of shows that you know on some level what people want to see. You know, they want to see the family. They want to see the relationships. They want to see their favorite characters. They want to see emotion. And, and, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, the stories that we've gotten of late have not been those kind of stories. And that frustrates which, me because, because I know that it's so sporadic. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, though, I will say, if you have been a long-time General Hospital fan, I will say go back and watch today's episode because um, forget who was in the courtroom. The dialogue was phenomenal, and the flashbacks are just killer. It's just, it's just you will just sit there and be like, oh, look at that. I mean, they, they, they just, like, some of the clips you knew they were going to show. Like, you knew they were going to show um, Tracy withholding the medication from Edward. That is one of, yeah. if I had to pick five clips from daytime history that stand out in my mind, that is probably one of them. You know, like, like I was, I don't know how old I was then, but I was young and, and it, and it made, I just, I remember sitting there just gripped by that. And to this day, anytime they play it, I feel that, that, that exact same emotion, but it wasn't just that they played scenes. They played scenes with people that honestly, I don't even know who the hell they were. (laughs) You know, like there were these flashbacks of Tracy with various people. And I was like, Oh, I know I should know who that is. Maybe that's, Jenny? I don't really remember Jenny. So I, I do recommend seek it out and find it because I do think you'll actually, as a longtime General Hospital fan, I think you will enjoy today's episode very, very much. Well, I may go back to Hulu and watch it, but I'm not. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but I'm just, I just hated that they even brought him into it. Um, and, and Diane, I mean, what the hell was Diane doing there? You know, it's like, well, Diane seriously? Me because I mean, Diane didn't bother me. I mean, it's a it's a legal suit, you know. Like, why not? Why not have Diane there? And I will say they that the reason that the, the way they saved it for me with Sunny being there was they mocked it. They mocked it by having you know by by making references to wait, Saint Saint Sunny is going to judge me. I mean, they really did a nice job of sort of sort of working audience reactions that they knew the audience might have. I don't remember who wrote the script today, but I thought they did a really nice job of sort of playing with that. I agree. I was very I was very sort of like, wait, why is Sonny the judge? But I felt like overall the way they did the episode and the clips they used, including clips of Sonny and Tracy from long ago, it sort of it sort of worked for me. Okay. Well I can see your point, but it's still. No. It, it's like. Is that the only show? It's you, like, is that the only show you watch? Um, I and I barely watched that one. Yeah, I'm down to. Yeah. Um, 
very, very little. I, I become a political junk, junkie. I watch micro, I watch um, MSNBC all day. <laughs> and every right once there in with a while, you. I, I mean, on. oh my God, I'm. So, I, and I, every I, once in a while, I'll turn on a little bit of soap. And that's that's actually one of the the reasons that I want to see soaps get back to sort of love in the afternoon and that kind of thing because um, I ha- I have over the last year or two become much more of a political junkie than I ever was, and I find the entire political environment we live in so depressing that I need yes. I need my soaps to give me that escape. You know, it's one of the reasons that I'm very happy with YNR right now because it has been giving me a lot of you know romance and escape and fun, and you know I don't really need to see fathers choking their sons that's just that's just not the escape <laughs> that i'm looking for right now <laughs> well if they want to get me back they have to bring back jacks and then i might watch it again every day um but <laughs> i i don't well, think from your lips to, from your lips anymore. to the cast from your lips to mark teshner's ears because um i now that now that ingo is living in uh, california uh, he has moved back from Hawaii. He's taking up a lot of projects, so he's got some acting things going on. I'm, I, I really am very hopeful that uh, that <laughs> that he might be back, uh, if not permanently, certainly on a more regular basis. That would be, I agree, that would be really awesome because you've got all the cards in place. You know, you've got everything in place to really tell my story. And I, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. The story I want to see is. Um, you know, since Julian is so desperate to get back Alexis and Sonny is desperate to get back Carly, I want a story where Julian and Sonny work together and they say, we have to do something epic to prove our love to the women and the families that we love. Oh, God. So they work, no. so they work, <laughs> they work together to bring down the five families and drive the mob out of General Hospital, out of Port Charles once and for all. Once that's done, Julian goes back to his media empire because you know he's got the magazine and the newspapers and all that Sonny decides he's going to launch that he, he still needs a power base so he sets his sights on elq the minute he sets his sights on elq the quarter mains call in jacks because remember jacks was originally introduced as a corporate raider and yeah. jacks comes to prevent Sonny from taking over elq and then you can bring in all kinds of characters you can bring in lois and brenda and other characters that would be involved in this and it becomes suddenly the, the show that has become about, you know, people that are in the mob with very more broken moral compasses becomes you still have these powerful men who are after power, but it's in a, they're, they're seeking legitimate power, and the reason they're seeking that legitimate power is to win back the loves that they've lost. Like, to me, that's a grand epic soap opera story. But you know why that wouldn't work? Because Uh-oh. it would be all about St. Sonny. It would be it, the whole thing would be about him, and everybody else would be bad for trying to stop him from getting what he oh, really no, deserves. Well, again, remember, remember, I'm writing this story. I'm writing this story, so that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, but if they I'm heard that, it. if they heard your, if they heard your your synopsis, you know, or that's what they what would come out of it. Well, yeah, that's why <laughs> I have to do it. They, that's why they have to put me in charge. <laughs> and idea. I'll bring you on, and you can. I'll bring you on, and you can be my consultant. <laughs> I'll, I'll consult. Yeah, you can keep me on. <laughs> yeah, or at least try. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that I did. You know, I, I see it maybe two, three times a week. And the last time that they had Carly and Sunny at each other's throat, all I could think was, I have heard this argument, the same things every two years for how many years now? It's it. They don't even have original arguments. It can be different, but it's still the same script with just a couple of inserts, current fight. And then they're repeating the same words. There was no originality even in their fighting. Yeah, they're great at fighting, but, they're, but it was the same fight for years. Interesting. Like, I mean, see, now I will say that... Uh, I don't know if this is because, you know, I have been covering soaps for about 30 years now, I guess, 20 years at the magazine. And before that, I was uh, writing a soap opera column for um, uh, the Gannett News Service. And as such, you know, when we started the magazine, there were, I don't remember how many soaps, like 15 or something. And, um, And I have over the years, you know, basically had to keep up with all of them. 
Um, it's, it's a little easier now with only four, sadly, but but I am not as good at fans. Fans are amazing at be able, being able to remember that kind of minutia, like the exact, you know, like like the, the fight that people had and how they, the wording that they used, or even um, even plot points. I remember general overall plot points. I don't necessarily know, you know, like if you ask a Jason Liz fan or a Jason Sam fan or a Lily Kane fan or a Jax Carly fan, they will know every beat in that story, and they will know where that story has veered off even the slightest to the history. I fully yep. acknowledge that I am not that guy. I, I, my brain is fried. Uh, I, 40 years of this, and, and, and I, I can get the broad strokes, and I know when they're going off the track broad strokes, but I don't know it as well as you do. Okay, and I just think they have had all of these fights for so long that they all, it's just one big, you know, it's just the same thing. It's repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. And and that was just like, you know, make it make it end already. Even if they bring Carly, put hook Carly up with Julian or anybody else, have her have a, a fling with Nathan, I don't care who. It doesn't have to be Jax. I don't care who it is. Just get her and Sonny away from each other. They really are toxic. You know, that's an interesting thing that... See, Carly, to me, Carly only showed growth when she got hooked up with Jax. That's when she started to grow as a person. And she got involved in business. She, you know, she did other things. It wasn't just Sonny's little mob mole. She became a person. Whereas everyone else that they've had Sonny hooked up with was just his little moblet. And the last couple of years, Carly has been one thing. What are you going to do? Are you going to kill somebody? Are you going to, you just, you know, even if you let them live now, you're just going to eventually, and she has been against that. And then first time she comes and in um, in line of fire with Olivia, what does Carly do? She regresses to, I'm going to kill you, pulls out the gun, or knocks but the here's, gun. Here's the counterpoint to that. Is that perhaps because at heart it's saying you can try and change. You can you can become a better person when you're with Jax, but you're eventually going to backslide. You can become a better person and try and get Sunny to do this. But, you know, to me, when when she went picked up the gun and was going to kill Olivia, I looked at that and I said, for the first time since Carly has been on this, you know, anti-violence, anti-revenge kick, you know, that started sort of uh, around right before Morgan died, for the first time, she was looking at it and seeing, oh, my God, I see it from your point of view. I see, of course I'm going to kill this person. This person killed our son. I'm going to kill her. I understand. And, you know, to me, the point of that was allowing her to see things from Sonny's point of view. The other question I have is whether this is something that's sort of a greater problem within the structure of daytime television that started – oh, maybe about 10, 15 years ago with sort of the rise of super couples with anti-heroes at the center of them, you know, whether it's the to- like Todd and Blair on One Life to Live. Todd and Blair were toxic together, and yet they kept coming mm-hmm. back together time and time again because they couldn't resist one another. And let's not forget, you know, Todd was this horrible, horrible man, and yet the show sort of, you know, did the same thing they, that, that, that's been done with Sonny over time. He's been sort of elevated to... Um, you know, sort of, he was elevated to hero status. He became sort of the hero, uh, the anti-hero of the show. I don't mind. And that's when I stopped watching One Life to Live. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mind a good anti-hero, but to me, you know, I look at, uh, people ask me all the time, you know, what what my all-time favorite show was, soap-wise, and um, and I always refer to The Edge of Night. And one of the things I loved about The Edge of Night was that it knew how to create a villain. And it knew that when you created a villain, you were creating a short-term character. You were not creating someone who was going to be yeah. on the center of the show for the rest of its run. You were creating someone who would cause right. havoc, be murdered, and either be murdered or be sent to jail. They were short-term villains. 
And, you know, yeah. up until about 10, 15 years ago, that was sort of true across the board. Daytime would create villains. You know, look at look at All My Children and uh, uh, Eddie Durant. You know, Michael Cambius. Was a, about- he was a, Michael Cambius, right. You created these bad characters who did bad things, and then because the moral compass of the show was the good people, they rose up and they sought, sought you know, vengeance against these bad people. And, and we've lost that because we've shifted to a dynamic where the heroes of the show are the people with the broken compasses. And the first one was um, Luke Spencer. Right, exactly. And, you know, and I've never it's liked, interesting. I've ne- and as much as I appreciate Anthony Geary's acting, I've never liked Luke Spencer, ever. <laughs> But I thought he was a great actor, but I've never liked the character. Yeah, I can't say I was ever a huge fan of Luke. I mean, I was I was into the Luke and Laura story, you know, I was into, you know, sort of the wedding and 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 all of that. I was I was that was when I was in high school and I was very into it. But I don't know that I was ever really a huge Luke Spencer fan. Um I, again, I agree with you. I thought, you know, I think Tony Geary is an amazing actor. I think I, I would have loved to have seen him do many, many other things outside of daytime. Um, and and I think he's he's an incredible actor. Uh, but but to me, I don't know. I never really – I was more into Bobby Spencer than I was Luke, to be honest. I thought Bobby was I a more interesting Bobby. character. Yeah, yeah she's a more interesting right. character. Yeah, and and Scotty Baldwin was a more interesting character than Luke too. Right, right, exactly. Scotty was sort of the 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 rep scallion with the heart of gold. You know, even now, you know, he's got that twinkle in his eye. You know, you put him in a scene with whether it's Maura West or or Jackie Zeman or Lynn Herring, and and he just he he just plays that 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 bad boy who is not totally bad. You know, he, there's a difference between a bad boy and you know the the sort of Luke Spencer's and and Sonny Corinthos and Julian and the characters like that. Those aren't bad boys to me. Those are they're they're like they're 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 killers. <laughs> you know, like like we don't think of them that way because the show has normalized it so much. But they are killers. <laughs> okay, I've got one more question, and then I've got to go. Okay, and I think you've got Tasha on hold. Um, they did a beautiful tribute for Barbara Tarbuck. Are they going to yes. do one for Peter Hansen? You know, that's a good question. I Because I assume, he still, his son is still there. I assume they will. I think the problem could come in, and you probably will know this better than I do, because like I said, you probably remember these kind of details more than I do. I don't remember if... I remember we saw his his character on Port Charles in the early days of Port Charles, but I don't remember if he is still alive or not. I I have no clue. Um, he just he just died two weeks ago. Um, oh, you mean the character? No, I mean the character. Right. I don't know if the character is still alive Didn't or not. Did he go to Florida? Didn't he retire to Florida? Maybe, maybe. But I would yes, I would assume I would assume they will. Um uh they're they're pretty good about that and you know, the fact that they the fact that they did Barbara Tarbuck, who certainly was I mean I, I was certainly not as big a part of the General Hospital canvas history right. as was Hanson. I agree. So yes, I'm sure I'm sure they will. Yeah, I and you you're right, I don't recall how he left. I think he just kinda of retired though. I'll have to look that up. Uh, we'll, we'll do it in we'll do it in one of the uh, in depth answers in uh, in one of the next issues. <laughs> okay, well, it was good chatting with you again. Thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. Well, listen, guys. I want to thank everybody for listening in tonight. That went better than I expected. I didn't know if we'd have any callers or if anybody would show up. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here again. It's Without you, I always say it without you, it's just me talking to myself, and even I don't want to hear me talking to myself. I don't even like my voice. I never listen to the podcast because I hate my voice, so I'm always amazed that anybody shows up. The fact that all of you did is 
you know, kind of awesome to me. Um, subscribe to the podcast because I don't know exactly when the next one's going to be. It's a little catch and catch can because my schedule is so weird these days. But I hope to get it uh, to keep it sort of up and running on a fairly regular basis, even if we just do it like every two weeks. Um, you guys let me know. Tweet me. You know where to find me. Um, as always, I'm Richard, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, and you can find me at Soaps in Depth ABC and Soaps in Depth CBS and How Rude Are You? And my Facebook account is facebook.com slash Trelfie, uh, T-R-A-L-F-I-E. Re- reach out <laughs> reach out and touch me. That sounds awful. Um, have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, because it's soaps, what do you got to do? Tune in tomorrow. <laughs>